This is the Data Privacy Detective. And today we're going to look at Japan and what Japan thinks about data privacy and how it handles it. And we have a great host for us, a guest, I'm the host, but a host for Japan in Eric Jacobs. Eric, uh, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Joe. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Now, you are the policy manager for the United States and Asia at Access Partnership. And uh, I know Access Partnership is really the world's leading public policy firm for technology, uh, but certainly data privacy is part of that. And that has offices in London and DC and Singapore, and it, it works with senior advisors around the world on what data privacy and other technology policies ought to be. How do you work with senior advisors? You know, uh, yeah, we have our global footprint and, and we work on, as you mentioned, privacy and, and many other issues. But in, in certain cases, when we need to really dive in uh, with country expertise on specific issues, kind of leverage long-term relationships to develop and deliver results for our clients, uh, we tap into our senior advisors, um, you know, Many of them have uh, incredible uh, experience working on these issues in their countries. And you know, for example, we work with the former MIC minister, Heizo Takenaka in Japan. And he's an example of, of the type of advisor that Access Partnership has all around the world. Very good. And you, you have lived in Japan. You lived through an earth, one of the major earthquakes there and helped uh, teach English there and uh, but but you you got very involved in technology as well, and in in the uh, Trump administration, uh, you were part of the White House Office of Science and and Technology, and uh, after that uh, worked with the Department of Energy. So you were really in the middle. And you hosted uh, or helped to be really advanced staff for two of uh, Vice President Pence's visits to Tokyo in 2018. So you were right in the middle of how Japan was approaching. What led to a comprehensive data privacy policy? That must have been a great experience. Uh, it was an incredible experience, um, as you mentioned, to kind of take my unique life path uh, in living and working in Japan and, and my passion for kind of U.S. policy, U.S.-Japan policy, and be able to work in the Office of Science and Tech policy um, with the Trump administration to work with Japan on key issues like this. Um, I also was one of the lead organizers for the ministerial level, um, joint high level committee meeting on science and tech policy where key issues, including artificial intelligence, uh, joint research cooperation, uh, you know, these were all issues, uh, these were all discussed, um, you know, at the highest level. And, you know, it was an honor just to be uh, a part of all of those discussions in the last administration. And you know, I continue to follow uh, what's going on uh, with the current administration now. And it was a fascinating time to be there. All the issues with China and the emerging China, more than emerging. China's not emerging. It's emerged. And how Japan balances itself, uh, how it deals. One of our great allies in, in Asia. So let's just jump right into it, Eric. Uh, how is privacy understood in Japan? You know, I would say that um, you know, much like here in the U.S., it's considered a very important uh, right uh, for the individual. And you know, I think kind of the under the you know, it's one of the undergirding uh, principles of Japan's data protection laws as the individual um, right to privacy, similar to here in the U.S. But um, kind of 
based on my experience and my personal experience in Japan, I think that um, Japanese people may emphasize uh, privacy in their daily lives, um, at least the principle of privacy in different ways than we do here in the U.S. So, Wouldn't you say example, even, even more so than, than most Americans? Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I think so in some specific ways. Uh, I'd give a quick example. Uh, working at uh, an elementary school, anytime there would be photos uh, taken at the school, if they wanted to post on their website, um, you know, they would need approval from all the parents uh, of whose students before they would get posted or the photos would be blurred. A lot of people will blur, um, you know, their friends out on social media or they'll, you know, restaurants and cafes will have strict uh, no photography policies that a lot of people follow. So at least in terms of kind of the online footprint, I think individuals take, um, you know, the concept of privacy pretty seriously at an individual level, I'd say. Now, uh, U.S., uh, different people think differently, but in general, I would say the U.S. approach is a little more of privacy vis-a-vis the government. And uh, I would yes. say it's broad consensus that it's our Fourth Amendment, uh, many parts of our amendment, free speech and so on, but, uh, but less so about privacy from companies, if you know what I mean. How about Japan? Um, I think uh, more so in Japan, a lot of the discussion is about, you know, how do individuals protect uh, their data from uh, companies? And you see a lot of that kind of emerging in these new data um, regimes, data, the, the new data law that is now in place uh, and in effect as of earlier this year. And I would broadly agree with you on the part uh, with the individual's perception here in the U.S. as well. However, I think recent discussions regarding the role of big tech and and things regarding the Fourth Amendment Patriot Act, further revisions to that have maybe raised the consciousness of some Americans to um, private entities as well regarding their data. Right. I mean, in the Trump administration, uh, there was an executive order about TikTok and there was going to be a forced sale and the court intervened. And the Biden administration hasn't really totally reversed that. Now, it recently rewrote uh, that. But there's a concern uh, anytime you're dealing with a company, what the company is going to do with that data is related to a, a foreign government. That was the, the, the problem with TikTok. It's owned by a Chinese company. It's owned by China, has Chinese owners. But uh, yes. Let's talk about the difference between privacy as something you worry about as to government versus more broadly privacy when it's shared among companies, when it's bought and sold on the, on the internet, all aspects of the internet, including the dark web. We know this happens. So Japan, as you mentioned, uh, just in 2022, adopted an act on the protection of personal information, APPI. And that's the first comprehensive code in Japan. And uh, let's face it, U.S. does not have a comprehensive data privacy law. Why do you think Japan chose that route, a little more like what we see in Europe? Well, I think, um, you know, they wanted to follow uh, good business practices to emphasize consumer privacy along the way. And, um, you know, I know that, um, Former Prime Minister Abe was really big about, you know, free fo- data free flows with trust and kind of uh, building uh, Japan's uh, role as a, a perceived leader on data policy. So kind of, you know, being able to be GDPR compliant and then also having the ability to protect Japanese citizens um, data, uh, both in Japan and abroad, I think, played a big role in that uh, from the Japanese perspective. 
Well, and Japan has a lot of trade and commerce, of course, with Europe, as it does with the United yes. States. That was there. Let yes. me ask you a, a question. Uh, I wouldn't ask it of the prime minister of Japan, but I'll ask it of you. Do you, do you think that was uh, Japan just checking a box or because it really uh, governmentally and culturally believes that uh, data privacy is, is a good business practice that must be followed by business? I think um, you know Japan wants to see that as a as a good business practice, so individuals can um, you know trust the the folks with whom they're dealing online. Um, that's that's kind of how I see it. But you can see this continuing with other agreements that the Japanese have made. As you know, the U.S. Japan um, Digital Trade Agreement also emphasized um, important um, components of privacy. So you can see um, gradually since Japan enacted its law moving forward with um, kind of focusing on the commercial side of things as well. And this may tie in. Tell me if you, you think it's so between Japan and the U.S. having a similar concern about a country like China, which has a much more government-centric approach to data privacy. Do you think I'm right about that? I would. I think it would be fair to say that China has a very government-centric approach to data privacy. And Japan uh, not, not signing up for the Chinese system, but, but forging its own path here, but more along the lines of the uh, European Union, uh, and, and the approach that uh, part of good business is to protect the personal data of individuals, of course, subject to all sorts of details. Well, uh, Eric, let's just compare uh, at a high level the U.S. privacy policy that exists uh, to Japan's privacy policy. What would you say about that? Well, I think the biggest difference between the two uh, would certainly be that Japan has uh, a national privacy law and the U.S. does not. Um, the U.S. does not uh, even have any sort of kind of guidelines set forth from the federal government. Um, as you know, the new Japanese um, law has you know, certain types of enforcement mechanisms. The U.S. deals with that um, somewhat through the Federal Trade Commission, but um, kind of in the lack of the federal guidelines here in the US, um, various states have been taking different actions to address uh, what they view as important for data protection, California, Colorado, Utah, Virginia, et cetera. And companies are gonna have to uh, take into consideration uh, what these different state laws, these different state regulations and guidelines and how they may impact uh, their dealings uh, here in the US as well. And you're certainly beginning to see in Congress, and I know you follow this, uh, uh, efforts, I'll just say by business, some business sectors to encourage a national a U.S. Uh, data policy law, but in part because some of the state laws, which differ, have gone further than those businesses wanted. So you're beginning, are, are you seeing, I would think, lobbyists really pushing for uh, preemption of state laws that they don't like so much. Is, is that generally what's going on right now? I think there, there are a lot of things going on in Washington right now. Um, certainly, uh, the business side would see uh, the need or, or their, their desire for a national type of uh, you know, legislation or guideline to kind of shape those policies. Uh, uh, just for stability. Um, and you've seen at the IAPP conference several weeks ago, um, leaders from big tech talked about you know, how the importance of having some sort of legislation 
But I don't know in the current policy environment if that if something like that is going to happen here in the U.S. or if it will continue to be, uh, you know, different states taking different actions. Uh, maybe uh, there will be something in the future, but I think that remains to be seen, uh, even though there are strong interests pushing for that. Right. Well, of course, like any country, Japan had a good bit of uh, input from business and and public policy uh, uh, advocates uh, about data privacy before it adopted its law. Let's let's, let's just perhaps uh, c- conclude our our discussion by seeing what we can learn from what Japan has gone through to the point where it, it developed a national law. First, uh, how did Japan and what does it have to teach us, Eric, about defining privacy as protection both from the government in some cases and from the private sector? I think um, if if you look at the way Japan approached things, they kind of they definitely moved in an incremental way, and uh, you know they adopted different perceptions both to the private sector and to the public sector. Um, you know the creation of the new digital agency last year as well. I think uh, has helped shape some perceptions when it comes to the the public's interaction with data, um, at least kind of more at the prefectural level for government. Uh, but the topic, you know, just having the law since the 2000s has really changed the way that Japan has has addressed this issue. But because of Japan's current political environment and essentially the LDP having strong control over the legislative process, I think that the two circumstances are a bit different. And if something were to develop here in the U.S., there would probably need to be strong bipartisan consensus on how to move forward on those issues. At least 60 votes in the Senate, that's for sure. Yes. Uh, How about the individual ability to to sue, to file a lawsuit, to get information for cases uh, under the the new Japanese law, the APPI? Yeah, well, that's a very interesting um, element to this law that, you know, uh, previously, uh, if an individual was potentially defamed or attacked, they would um, sue to try to get the information uh, of the individual who was doing that. Now, obviously, here in the U.S., we have the First Amendment uh, protection of freedom of speech. But in Japan, uh, a lot of times uh, the the individual would challenge that in in court, obviously, and then it would lead to a long adjudication process where companies would often uh, get rid of data after a certain period of time, and that would not be able to carry forward. The new law has some interesting components to it, whereby there's a quick, uh, relatively quick process through which uh, those cases are adjudicated, and then the relative uh, information may be uh, released, uh, depending on what the court says. And let me ask you one last question. Where would you rate Japan on a spectrum ranging from strict control uh, of personal uh, data transfers and collection and sale and so on to uh, free flow of of data? I think uh, definitely more so on the free flow side. Um, I know it's been one of the pillars of the Japanese government over the last few years, uh, from from Abe up until now, the Kishida administration to continue um, to move in that general direction uh, we've got the U.S. Uh, and Japan, uh, Biden and Kishida here meeting um, for the end of the week. I'm sure that that's going to be a discussion. Maybe something will come out of that meeting. And then the Quad um, leaders meeting as well. I'm sure that um, as uh, you know, Japan looks to um, take a foot 
forward and kind of lead some of these international discussions that uh, data, privacy, other concerns on emerging technology will continue to dominate those discussions. So perhaps we'll see the U.S., uh, uh, if not uh, re-engaging in uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, that doesn't seem go it's going to happen, at least on data privacy, is working closely with Japan to have a very different model from, let's just say, the People's Republic of China's approach about data privacy and the flow of information. Well, Eric, thank yes. you for uh, this tour today. I appreciate it. And uh, let's do it again a year or two from now. We'll see if there's any progress that's been made on perhaps someday a national data privacy law for the United States. Any concluding remarks, sir? I just wanted to um, thank you for the opportunity to um, share uh, my thoughts with you and, and to uh, you know talk a little bit about Access Partnership as well. It's been great and uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, I'll conclude by reminding us all, protecting your personal data begins with you.